you're happy to be in church, can I hear an amen? Amen. I'm so glad that you're here. Let me ask you this, because this is kind of like a tough day. I had to get a vote here. Would you rather have your hour of sleep and the days be shorter? Raise your hands. Or would you rather, oh, nobody's hands raised. Or would you rather lose an hour of sleep and the days be longer? Raise your hands. All right, see. See, it's worth it for me to see the sun stay out longer. I'm so glad that you're here. We'll make sure to keep you here for a long time. Amen? Because if I keep you here till like five, the sun's still out now. Amen? Praise God. That was always weird, like, you know, leaving, like, church service, you know, sometimes it would be, like, almost dark, like, 3 o'clock if it was a cloudy day. But I love the sun. I'm so happy that it is out today and the day is long. And that just means the weather's going to get nicer, right? Anybody like nice weather? How many just like it cold, gloomy, and rainy? No, we want nice spring, right? We want a nice spring. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4.17. Uh, we're going to be going through our sermon series today, talking about not stealing but sharing. And sharing is what? Caring. See, you guys were taught good. We know this law. This is the law of uh, Sunday school. It's the law of a daycare. Sharing is caring. So if sharing is caring, then socialism must be good, right? Because we all share. No, socialism is sin because socialism is stealing. Sharing is what you give willingly. What the government takes without your permission, that's stealing. And so we as Christians look to the Old Testament and even Jesus' parable, uh, parables, and we believe in capitalism. We believe in doing something useful with our hands, gaining wealth, and then sharing it voluntarily. Amen? So do not get it twisted. Stealing is stealing, even if the government does it. And I know some Illinoisans need to say amen to that. Amen? Okay, so we're going to talk about taking off stealing and putting on sharing. The sermon series is from the book of Ephesians, and it's called In Him. And that's where uh, we have been for about the last year and a half. And we want you to join with us if you haven't already. If you're new to the church, great time to join with us. Here's how you can learn the book of Ephesians. It's a city. Uh, it was a city in Rome that Paul started a church in, and he's preaching to them through this letter that he's wrote them. Uh, as, as you can look here, there's a first uh, four-chapter section of the book called Heavenly Minded. And we've already been through this. And those are all the things that Paul talks about in those first four chapters that have to do with the mindset of a Christian, that we should understand that Jesus loves us and has a plan for our life that even goes beyond just the scope of the humanity we see now, that there's a new humanity coming, a new heavens, a new earth. And so like the old timers used to say, well, don't be so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. No, that's not Paul at all. He tells us so many heavenly minded things that we can be of earthly good because then right around 417, chapter 4, verse 17, he transitions into instructions. So he's like starting off the letter saying, you're seated in heavenly places. You're saved by the grace of God. He's going to do immeasurably more in your life than you can ever imagine. The love of God knows no height, no depth, no breath. But then he goes into this section of instruction, chapter 4, verse 17, on Christian living. And then he talks about instructions for the family. We just did a wedding yesterday. My wife and I, and we're so excited about their wedding, uh, their marriage, and their life that they're starting because they're going to follow the instructions of the Bible. And then instructions on the job are in that same section, and then instructions on spiritual warfare, and then he ends the book. So if you have not started with this, I, I ask you to do this. Read the book of Ephesians every week. Six chapters, you can read one a day, have it done in six days, read something else for the seventh day, or if you do it all at once, 20 to 30 minutes, even audio Bible will get it done for you. Can I hear an amen for the book of Ephesians? 
Ephesians. We honor the scriptures here. Now, what you'll see is that in this section on um, on Christian instruction, I have broken down this whole passage from chapter 4, verse 17 to chapter 5, verse 20. And you can see the 17 messages we're preaching right now if you want to get caught up. And so you can go online and see all the podcasts or check our notes online. It's all there in the past, and you can see where we're going. So today, we're on lesson number five, Don't Steal, Work Hard. And all these rest of them are going to be coming your way. And I hope that you're excited about this because I, as a pastor, it would be real easy just for me to simply just talk about the heavenly-minded stuff every week. You know, you're saved by grace. God loves you so much. Isn't it awesome to be a Christian? But how many know I got to talk about the instructions? Can't just cut the book in half and say that stuff's not good. I don't know if, you, if you've seen this meme, but it's kind of funny. It says, uh, this is how people read the Bible. And it's the passage where Jesus said, judge not. And it's highlighted, judge not. And then everything else is just X'd out. You know, it's just like, that's all I see is judge not. Judge not, you know. And, and that's kind of like sometimes how we read the Bible. I'm saved by grace. Highlight. Let's, let's tear out the rest of the chapters here that Paul gives us about judge and things that happen when we don't live right. No, it's like we need the whole thing. And this is the dietary, uh, this is the diet of the Christian. This is how we should use the Word of God. The dietary table of the Word of God comes with encouragement, correcting, rebuking, training, and teaching. And I have a post on that on my Facebook page. There's five parts of the Word of God that Paul said in 2 Timothy we should have. And I hope that if you were to look, uh, listen to the sermons or go into the past and look at all that I've done, I would hope that you would say, I'm giving you a good diet. I'm going to go through them real quick right here. I should be teaching you the Word of God. I should be rebuking you when you're not keeping the Word of God. I should be correcting you from the errors that you have from not keeping the Word of God. I then should be instructing you and showing you how to keep the Word of God with accountability. And then lastly, I should be encouraging you, inspiring you to keep the Word of God. Do you feel like I kind of do those five things? If you do, I want you to continue to pray for me. I want you to pray for me that I will give you a healthy diet of the Word of God. Amen? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul is speaking now. Follow along with us if you would like on the screen. He says, I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now notice this. As we're talking about Christian living, I always start here with the passage and I show you that I can work through the lesson of that day through the passage. And let me do it right now. When we're going to be talking today about not stealing, there are two main people that we steal from in life, and God wants us to stop stealing from them and think differently about it. And those two people are God and our neighbor. God and our neighbor. Now, some of you may think to yourself, Pastor, I don't steal from God. Well, you know there's four ways that you can steal from God we're going to learn today. And your tithes, your offerings, your time, and your talent. But you see, when it comes to giving your tithes and offerings to God, and by the way, there won't be another offering taken up today. No pressure for you to give, but I want to tell you the truth about this. This now will show you the heart that people have, whether or not they think like a Christian or a non-Christian. So a Gentile is basically a non-Christian. Let's see if you know how non-Christians think about church and money. You just uh, fill in the blank here for me. All them churches want is your... Oh, you've heard that one then, haven't you? That's the way a Gentile thinks, isn't it? As they go pay a guy in tights with a bat to hit a ball over a, over a fence, as they go pay $35, $4,500, as they go do that, they say, all these churches want is your... 
money, but the church lets you in for free. Another thing that they say is look at all those pastors. Look at how much money they make. Yeah, look at, look at these pastors. Look, look at them. They actually have a car. They actually have a house. Look at these pastors. They shouldn't make as much as my idols make, should they? Uh, if a pastor makes as much as their sport idol, their entertaining idol, their singing idol, now they have a problem. But isn't that something? It gets so convincing after a while, doesn't it? You start to think like a Gentile even though you're a Christian. Well, it looks like the church is doing pretty good. I don't have to give. The Bible says that's stealing. Let me give you an example so you can get it. Somebody say, make it plain. Thank you. I'm going to make it plain this morning. So imagine that something's happened in your life where you're just facing a, tra- a tragic time and you're not able to pay any bills and you're not even able to work. Maybe you're sick and you lose your job and, and somebody takes you in, a family member, God bless them, they take you in and they say, listen, all my food is your, yours. Eat as much as you want. Everything in my house is yours. Feel free to make yourself at home. This is all that I ask. Just leave a little food in the refrigerator for me. Just leave a little food there for me, right? Would you consider, as you are in that house, eating those hot dogs, and let's say there's now only two left, would you consider consider yourself giving to the homeowner the hot dog just by you leaving the one or two there? No, by you simply saying, no, I'm going to leave that there, you're, you're my friend. You're not giving them something that's not already theirs. You're actually letting them have what's already theirs. For you to take all of those hot dogs would be stealing from them. Are you all ready for the application? Because it's going to come hard and fast. That's you in God's world right now. God says, all of this is mine. You can use as much of it as you want, but here's what I want you to leave back for me, 10% of it. That is your tithe. That is what you honor me with to show me that you prefer God over money. Jesus said, you cannot serve God in money. You cannot serve two masters. You'll love one and hate the other. Love that one or hate that, uh, hate the other one. Jesus taught us that. And so you may think to yourself, no, no, pastor, that doesn't apply to me because I'm not sick. I'm actually working. I'm actually doing something with my hands. I produce my own wealth. Let me ask you a question. Uh, where do you produce that wealth at? Oh, on my job. Is that on the planet Earth? Is the job on the planet Earth? Yeah. Do you own that planet Earth? Like that place where Steve Jobs would set up Apple computers. Did he own that? Did he make that? Are you listening? How about the brain that you use? And you're so smart, right? Because you can outthink God, right? Because like, you know, I'm so smart up here. Did you ever just think, let me just philosophically mess with you a little bit right now. This is called existential thinking. Let, Let me mess with you a little bit. Do you know not even your brain is yours? Your mommy went into, your daddy went into your mommy, dropped some seed, that wasn't yours, into an egg that wasn't yours, and then she began to eat food that wasn't yours, that was put upon God's green earth, and then from the chemicals, and then from the nutrients formed a brain, and let me just prove it to you like this, just in case you don't get it, if it's yours, take it with you when you die. (laughs) Yeah, it makes you think now, doesn't it? I don't believe that stuff, Pastor. It's mine. Okay, take it with you then when you die. What you leave behind then proves wasn't yours. Your brain isn't yours. You know that right now they want to have a way of burying you to actually make you compost. So you can be buried in farms now so that they can bring forth crops out of your rotting body. 
I, I said it's a little bit weird, but are you following me? Your brain ain't even yours. Goes right back there to the dirt from whence it came. You can't take your family with you. You won't take one thing with you when you die. And yet you're going to get mad at God and them preachers who want to take your money. Better wake up. Come on, somebody. You better wake up and stop thinking like a Gentile. It is an honor to be on this planet. Not sniffing your behind like a dog, but walking straight up as a human being made in the image of God. This is an honor to know thyself, to know God in thyself. This is heaven on earth. And then to be given the earth to have seed, time, and harvest, to put your hand to the plow and to work and to produce fruit from the ground and the land and to have the sun and the atmosphere and the beating of your heart and the blood flowing through your veins. Thank God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all ye creatures here below. Praise Him, all ye heavenly hosts. Praise Him, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. We owe everything to Him. That's why literally the Bible says, in Him we live and move and have our being. We are in the creation of God. And so, my friends, there, there, is, nothing, there is nothing you're giving God that wasn't already his to begin with. So get it, get it right here. So if it's already his to begin with, if you don't give it back, what's that called? Stealing. Now you know why we got to talk about it, amen? We got to talk about not stealing today. Not stealing from God. Not stealing from each other, but living a life of fruitfulness with our hands, working and producing fruit from the earth and sharing with those in need. That's the first introduction. Are you ready for the second introduction? Amen. That's what he says right there at the beginning. Don't be like the Gentiles and the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So when you see people kick back and argue against this, you're not talking with a wise person. You're talking with a fool. You're not talking to somebody that's enlightened. You're talking to somebody that's darkened. Don't be like them. Don't be hard in your heart. Be soft in your heart towards God. Be like the child. See, that's why the Bible says the kingdom of God belongs to them because they are living in that world, aren't they, where they can't produce anything for themselves. And they live with trust from what the parents give them. And then how do they show their love? By hardening their heart, being rebellious and getting spankings? No, by serving in the house, obeying their mother and father, keeping the teachings of the Lord. And we are God's children on his planet. Have a soft heart, not a hard heart. Amen? They've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to the sensual way as to indulge in every kind of impurity. And they are full of what? Full of greed. There's going to be three introductions today. I think I got another one in me right here before I get to the last one because listen to me. He says right here, you want to know what they're like. You want to know what they're full of. You, you just want to take apart a sinner. And I'm talking about all sinners from Hillary Clinton to Little Wayne to Oprah Winfrey to Steve Harvey, anyone that does not live by the born-again lifestyle. You want to unzip them and look on the inside of them. What are they full of? Greed. They are full of greed. 
And you might think to yourself, well, I'm no Oprah Winfrey. I'm no Steve Harvey. I don't even have enough money to be greedy, and that is a lie. Do you know where I saw the most greedy people is when I worked in the projects of New Orleans? It was a tragedy long before Karina ever happened. I worked in nine different projects from the Magnolia projects to where the Hot Boys came from to the Calio projects, Master P and No Limit Soldiers. I, I saw what greed looked like even among the poor. I grew up in the suburbs and I never even saw that much greed. You say, how is that possible? Because greed is a mentality of I deserve more deserve more. And I remember going to give out presents during Christmas, and you would have thought, I mean, you would have thought this would have been like Tiny Tim from the Christmas story. You know, the people from the projects hobbling over, oh, dear sir, I'm so thankful for a new bicycle. They would look at me, I don't want this one. I want that one. I want this gift, not that gift. I would watch literally parents take the gift out of their kid and say, I'm going home with me. It's mine. I don't have to tell the parents, would you, would you please give back the present we gave your kid? Greed. And I see it even in this church with people. You think you're deserving more that you have to take from God's tithe. Doesn't God know? I worked hard for this. I got to pay my bills. Well, you know what you need to do then? You just need to put your bills right over your fireplace and take down that picture of Jesus and bow down to it and say, all hail mighty bills. Call your landlord, Lord. Because my friends, it's about time you flip the script on this world. This is not your permanent home. You are a stranger passing through And Christianity, though it may bless you, and it did for me, took me out of poverty and brought me into blessing. Christianity, like in China and Pakistan and Afghanistan, may cost you riches. So get it out of your mind that you deserve more. You deserve more. And that's why we have to be careful with what politicians we back. If all they're doing is saying they're going to give you more and give you more, watch out because somebody's got to pay for that. And the dictator of China just found a new way around his rules. You know what he did? He just enacted a new lifetime leadership award to himself where now he can rule China unto his death. And the Chinese people are supposed to applaud him. My friends, this is a wicked world. Do not let people deceive you. And do not be full of impurity and don't be full of greed. The things you hold on to the tightest are the things that hurt when they're taken from you. Even with my children, I do not hold on to them as if I cannot let them go. As if if something happens to them, oh, I don't know what I would do. I would lose my mind. No, if something happened to them, I would be back in this church serving God and he would keep my mind. Because I didn't make this. I had a part to play in it, and it was a fun part, praise God. It was a blessed part to play. But I don't get (laughs) glory, amen. But I don't get credit for the DNA in her body, the substance of her soul, what makes her a person. I'm pointing to my daughters here. It's my uh, second oldest, it's her eight-year-old birthday party today, amen. It's It's her birthday. Hannah, God bless you. It was so hard for me to say, happy birthday. They are full of greed. We'll be full of generosity, amen? 
That, however, is not the way of life you have learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him with the accordance that is with the truth that's in Jesus. So the bottom line is all of this bad stuff here, all of this thinking, all of this greed, all of this impurity, that's not what Christians are about. That's not how we should be marked. So, hey, let me just stop right here and apologize. Yes, the pastor who says to you, if you give this amount of money in the offering, you'll give that much back, I am sorry. They're on their way to hell, okay? They're not a Christian leader. But that does not give you the excuse to go to hell with them. Nobody will stand before God on judgment day and say, I got to be immoral, God, because that person was immoral. It doesn't matter what position you had in Nazis Germany. You were a part of that war crime. You were a part of that regime. You're you're, you're, you're a war criminal. And I don't care if you had to die at at the feet of those uh, Third Reich soldiers. You stood up for righteousness' sake and said, no, I won't do it. Listen, you don't like McDonald's. Go to Five Guys. Amen? You don't like the church that's telling you that. Go to a good church because you're going to be held responsible for your life. You were taught, don't you live like that. Amen? And so let me just tell you my story real quick in here because it's not all about money today, but I just want you to understand this. That is some people's God. I understood that as a drug-dealing high school dropout, but when I got saved, just my mentality changed. Why? Because Jesus took away my stinking thinking. I went back to tithing as I was taught as a child, and instantly nobody had to twist my arm to give offerings. I willingly gave $100 out of every check I got uh, to go to feed the needy, and I started bringing it out there myself. Now, obviously, God had a call on my life, and that was part of me starting off in ministry, but it was just a no-brainer to me. I used to be on drugs. Now I'm going to go help people on drugs. I used to be a sinner. Now I'm going to go help other sinners. Where can I go find them? Well, the place I used to party and do drugs at. Boom, let's go there. Looks like they need food. Okay, where can I get food? Pastor said, well, there's a food bank over there. I said, how do I get it? Well, you bring your money. You give them uh, 10 cents. They'll give you one pound of food. You give them a dollar. They'll give you 10 pounds of food. I would give them $100. They would give me 1,000 pounds of food, and I put it in my car and brought it there. Simple. There's no excuses to this. You may not be able to help everyone, but everyone can help someone. Amen? So get rid of stinking thinking. You were taught in regard to your former way of life to take off your old self. Take off that old greedy person. That person that's never happy with what they have. They always want the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. Take that off. It's being corrupted, notice this, by its deceitful desires. And that's why we go to all of our closets right now. We can all see some of the results of our deceitful desires. Oh, I'm going to look good in this. No, you ain't looking good in that. You've left that alone, you know. Oh, I need this pair of shoes, 10 other pair of shoes you needed up there. Come on, ladies. I said, come on, ladies, don't get quiet because I'm preaching good. How many things have we bought thinking that we need? Come on, we've been deceived. We've just been deceived by it. That is not a make-believe stat that my wife said during the offering, which, by the way, you can never time these things like this. God just did it with the offering message. I wrote that book by God's grace, 52 Lessons on Giving. Why? Because I didn't have enough, uh, uh, I didn't have any books that I could find online to give the lessons that I needed, and the one that I used was out of print. So I said, Amaldus, write my own by God's grace, wrote that book, and here we are uh, connected together. But that's not a make-believe stat. The stat is actually true. The Christian wealth of the world, The wealth of the world in the Christian's hands, and they say there's over 2 billion Christians, the wealth of the world in the Christian's hand could end every major issue right now just by their tithe alone. 10%, I believe it's like 2 trillion is what the Christian wealth is in the world right now. We would end every major issue, boom, done. Water, food, medical, everything, done. 
Just right now in America, they say we are tithing less than they did during the time of the Great Depression. They say on average only about 8% of people in churches tithe right now. They say during the Great Depression, it was 10, 20% of them were tithing. And look at us. We're so much happier now, aren't we? We're so confused in life, you know? And I understand people don't like crony capitalism. I don't like it either. But what do we do? Do we steal from the businessman to teach him a lesson about not stealing? No, we teach the businessman to come here and tithe. And as he learns to put God first, then he's going to treat his employees better. He's going to treat those around him better. Like Hobby Lobby and Chick-fil-A have set a standard as a large company of paying their people better and treating them better, giving them better benefits. And I know oftentimes I knock the Catholics for their different beliefs on Mary and so forth and so on. We're born-again Christians here. We don't believe in their traditions, but you have to give it up to them. They have done well in, in doing social services as well as the Baptists and the Presbyterian hospitals. They have shown us that we can be generous. We can change the world in every single aspect. It was a blessing. I had to go to St. Alexis Hospital because I had a little uh, bump here, uh, and I thought it might be a serious thing, like a, a what do you call it, a hernia or something, but it was actually right on my ribcage, so I wasn't sure, and then I went to WMD, and I found out that I had malaria, and I only had two, two hours to live, and I said, oh, dear Lord, I have influenza. I need to go now, half kid, so I show up to the hospital, and just, and just seeing their, their vision statement play over the screen, one of it said, honoring God, and it's like, yes, if I have a hospital to choose from, the one that honors God or thinks I've come from the goo through the zoo, which one am I going to go to? I'm going to go to one that sees me as a as a creature of God and honors God. Amen? Praise God. And see, this is what the Bible says. Take off that old way because it's corrupted by its deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your what? In your mind. You have a mindset about money that may need to change. Align your mindset to the, to the mind of God. So, so how did we do that right now? How did we align ourselves? We simply just put ourselves in right perspective, right? Like, he's the great I am and I'm the I'm not. I'm not God. He is. I'm a creature of God. I'm upon his earth. That now changes how I treat everything, doesn't it? And that changes now how I treat you. Because if I steal from you and you're just an evolutionary product that came from the goo through the zoo, then there ain't no problem there because might is right and dogs eat dogs. Hello, somebody. So if I steal from you and you're just a dog, what difference does it make? Man, deal with it. And if I got more power than you, like China, we'll take everything you have from you and call it the government. So is that the way we live? No, no, no. See, if I see you as the image of God, then I have, when I've stolen from you, who am I stolen from? From God. If I lie to you, then I've lied to God. Do you understand the connection there? When I, when I take from you what doesn't belong for you, I'm taking God's. Because God gave that to you. Oh, I wish I had half a church today. Amen. Did y'all wake up Presbyterians after this uh, short sleep? Do I got any Pentecostals here today? Man, I want to be honest with you. It's God's. It's God's in your hands. Remember, it's not yours to begin with, nor is it mine, but he borrows it to us. So whenever I take, when I was a thief, and uh, let me tell you about the first time I broke into somebody's house. I was in fifth grade, and I wanted my friend's Pop-Tarts and his Nintendo game. I know it's funny, but it's sad, isn't it? Here I am brought up as a Christian in the suburbs. My dad left the south side to give me a better life in Fort Wayne, Indiana with cornfields. And you know what? Sin found me there. And there I was living probably worse than most people he grew up with on the south side. I'm breaking into my fifth grade friend's house. Going to the back porch. Door won't open. 
Find a shovel. There's a shovel there. Okay. Pry it against the door. Bust the door. Break the door. Then I go in, take the Pop-Tarts, take the video game. (laughs) Here I am, cool fifth grader, until the police knock on my door and say, you idiot. (laughs) The whole entire neighborhood watched you do this, called us, told us who you were, and told us where your house was. And I got arrested, and you think that would have changed me, but no, sadly, it got a lot worse, things that I would be ashamed to tell you here that I did. But my friend, I was stealing from God, and the representative of God was my friend, yes, and I believe in retribution. I don't just believe in putting them in jail, let them work it off. In the Old Testament, you'd have to pay back seven times what you stole to teach the people, this is what you did to this family. You broke their door. They now have to bring a repairman to fix that door. You pay them back for that. And you see, we've lost the responsibility, haven't we? And those of us here who may not steal that way, and I praise God that most of you have not done that, if you're stealing in other ways as it gets applicable to your life, because it will get real here in a little bit, I want to just challenge you to remember this. God wants you to have a new attitude. And how do you get it? Verse 24, by putting on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So every issue we're talking about, these 17 lessons, just on Christian living, how do we do it? Do we do it first by our own efforts or putting on the righteousness of Christ and the finished work of Jesus? You see, we don't do it on our own. Joe doesn't self-help himself. Joe doesn't give himself a blood transfusion when he has AIDS. I don't cure myself of anthrax when I'm infected with it. Are you listening? I need a heart transplant. I need a blood transfusion. I need a new me, and I can't do it myself because I'm broken. And so God gives me a new me. And the new me, I'm telling you, went from stealing to sharing. It's almost like as we get to the passage here, in the passage where it says, don't steal anymore, but work hard doing things useful with your hands that you may share. It's like Paul was literally talking to me. And I hope you see it as that today if you're stealing in any way. And for those of us who are not, let us be encouraged to give and to continue to give. Amen. It says, therefore, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. How many are happy? We talked about not lying and telling the truth. That was a few weeks ago. Last week, we talked about this. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. How many enjoyed that one? I basically laid my soul bare there. I felt like, man, it just you knew everything about me after that message because I told you about how I've dealt with anger. And if you missed it and you want all the nitty-gritty, go back and watch it. It's there. And then today, let's read this together. One, two, three. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. If you notice this, it's not only from men but also from God we can steal, but it says you have to work doing something useful with your hands. You see, communism and socialism takes away the incentive for people to work because they try to set the winners and the losers, but capitalism allows the market of the free market of the people in consumerism to show you what is winning and losing, and that's where I want you to see useful there. You know what? If they're not buying uh, horseshoes anymore, start selling tires. And if they're not buying tires anymore, start selling hoverboards. And if they're not buying hoverboards anymore, sell jetpacks. Amen? And so I said, amen. We can't, you just can't be a Christian and expect everybody to buy your product because you're a Christian. That's Christian communism. No, we believe in doing something useful so that it's willing trade, people trading you for that good. 
good, and then you giving them that service, and then you becoming successful, and not the government stealing your money, but then you willingly sharing your money. And that is why every single communist, socialist experiment has, ru- has led to utter ruin. So don't let some college professor getting paid $100,000 in tax money to teach you socialism works. If you want to see socialism in your lifetime, what it did, look at Venezuela. They're eating their dogs now. It doesn't work, my friends. And if you want to see what it looks like on a massive scale, just go back in history 50 years to my parents' generation and see what happened to Russia. Okay, my friends? It doesn't work. The most charitable, people-centered government are capitalist governments who allow their people to freely not only give their goods but serve in the military. Those are the ones that help. For, for better or for worse, for whatever America needs to do to change, that is the system of change. Amen? About half of you got it, amen. The rest of you take your next uh, trip to Venezuela and see how much you like it. Because everything's free there. Everything's free. Free to eat your dog, uh, free to sleep on the streets because there's nowhere else to live because all the free stuff ran out. And that's what happens. It really does happen like that. I got some people really wanted me to preach on that, but I got to go on. Here will be next week's message. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. How many know we can just do a fast forward to the altar call that week, to next week? I, I just have to read that scripture. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. If you've done that, let's come up and pray. We're just going to go right to the altar call. Amen. It's just, everybody's going to come up and be like, yes, I have said things that I have not, not, was not supposed to say. Forgive me, Jesus. And I'll be right there with you. I will be right there with you. Verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. No chapters and verses in the original letter. Let's keep going. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. What does love always do? Love always gives. Can you love without giving? No, it's impossible. But you can give without loving. Yeah, you can just throw out something and not care. But there is no way you can love without giving. Every person you love, you give something to. I'm not saying it has to be big, that you have to put it on Facebook and get everybody to ooh and ah over it. But let's just be honest. All of us who love, you have to give to show that love. I have to give my wife a hug. I have to hold her hand. I have to take my kids out on their birthday and bless them. I have to give you guys, uh, you know, trinkets of my love whenever we're together. Just, hey, man, here's a book. Here's something. that Man, can this bless you? Whenever we're out to eat, I love to treat you guys out to eat just to show you my love as a pastor. And, and that's all of us here. I see that as a, as a mark of a true church is that we're generous and that we're giving. But notice this right here. It's Christ's example. It's, it, it's not that we're just doing it because someone showed us to do it, or it's a good tradition. Jesus showed us his example by giving the best offering and the best sacrifice. And so, my friends, sometimes giving does hurt, but you know what? Sacrifice is worth it. We will talk a little bit about wisdom, and there's not, there's not a sense like, I, you know, you just go become poor to help the poor, because if we're all poor, nobody gets help, okay? So right now, if I gave away everything and lived on the streets, how can I help any more people? My kids will be homeless, and now I don't have anything to do. So we're not talking about lacking wisdom and just trying to meet every need. What we're saying is giving when the Lord tells us to give as a fragrant offering and giving a sacrifice 
the way he tells us to sacrifice. I love what one man said. If what you give, you would normally give away, it's not yet a sacrifice. There are things that you have to give that you would want to hold on to for God to call it a sacrifice. You see, I don't know about you, but there, there are times in my life where I get large chunks of money, and it's not easy to think about giving at that moment because I have all of these things that I want to spend that money on. Let's talk about tax refunds, okay? Like when I get that big check, what am I thinking to myself? Because I make babies, and the government likes me making babies, amen. There ain't nothing wrong with that. And so, so when I get that check, I want to ask you a question. What do you think I think about first, giving to missions or getting a new fishing rod? See, the, what's in my heart is going to determine how I feel that day. That's why I got to take off the old self and say, hey, no, I got an opportunity to share more now. But some of you, you know what I'm talking about. Let's be honest. You get that tax refund, you don't even let it cross your mind. You're going to share more. You're just going to spend more on yourself. But see, Jesus gave his life for us. Jesus was already in heaven. Did he need to go to heaven? He was already in heaven. Who needed to go to heaven? We did. So he gave himself for us. That was a sacrifice, wasn't it? You ever sacrifice for missions? You ever say, you know what? This $200 would spend a lot of money around here, but uh, I feel God wants me to give it to our mission project. Or you know what, Pastor, I want to give this to the youth ministry. Do you ever do that? Do you ever look at large amount of money? How about this? Just not even large amount, but just a raise. Do you ever look at a raise going, thank God, I can give more now to the church. My tide just went up. You know, God wants to change our thinking. He wants us to look at giving as better than even receiving. Jesus taught us that. It says, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. There must not even be a hint of what? Of sexual immorality and purity. But what are we talking about today? Not even a hint of what? Greed. So let me ask you a question. If there's a hint of greed in my life, am I going to heaven? Not according to this. If there's a hint of greed in your life, are you going to heaven? No, not according to this. So the idea is nobody gets away with it. Anybody here allergic to anything? My daughter's allergic to peanuts. I'm allergic to MSG. Man, I'm going to tell you what. You get a hint of it, it blows you up, doesn't it? I was at the, uh, the mall with my daughter, Bethany. We were getting the candy, eating and everything. Something had peanut in it that she didn't know. Her face started turning red. Her throat started turning red. I then grabbed her as fast as I could, got into the van, found out the limit of that van, how fast it could go, and got her home and got her that Benadryl because just a hint of that almost ruined her whole life. There's a pastor, Levi Lesko. He's on K-Love. His daughter died at Christmas time because of a hint of an allergy. Had an asthma attack, died. Boom. You think God's playing right here and he says there must not be a hint of this in your life? So yes, you look at pastors who have failed at that. You, listen to me. You better not look at that and joke around and say, you know, well, that's, that's not a big deal and whatever. No, no. You should look at that going, the most holy people on the planet are failing at this. I better take it serious. That's how I look at it. I don't look at it like all oh, these guys are crooked. No, because I know my friends who are put into those places who make bad decisions, who either have affairs or take money, and I go, dear God, if that dude took money out of the mission account, dear God, what will happen to me if it's not by his grace? I need the grace of God to keep my life pure from greed, impurity, because these are improper for God's holy people. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the third introduction. We're moving along, okay? We're moving. We will get to the message. Just be patient, okay? We will get there. These are improper, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Let's watch this here. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or what? Or what kind of person? Greedy person. Such a person is an idolater, 
has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. Now watch this. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. The Bible actually says right here, not me, the greedy person is now an idolater in God's eyes. How do people try to deceive you with empty words? Let me give you an illustration. Hey, the church is doing fine. It's my family that's suffering. And I'm the one that has to work at this job 10 hours a day, 60 hours a week. You think I'm giving my tithe? If I don't pay my bills, I get put on the street. God will deal with that when I see them. Because I'll tell you what, them preachers, they got too much money. Don't let anybody deceive you like that. God's wrath comes upon the greedy. That may have sound noble, but it is a lie from the pit of hell. This is what the Bible says. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their descendants begging for bread. You, sir, lie. God tells the truth. I'm going to heaven with Jesus. You can go to hell with the devil. I made my decision a long time ago. Well, well, you don't know me. No, no, you don't know my God. The Bible said it. I believe it. That settles it. You put your need before God, you are in trouble. Jesus, Matthew 6, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I take that very serious, that my God holds me responsible to put him first. Now, may you have times of hardship in life. May there be times where you have to ask others for help. Sure, I'm not here to question your faith during those times. But what I'm here to do is to say, do not let greed deceive you and make you an idolater. Because, my friend, that job, that house, that money does not save your soul. That goes back to dust with your body. Christ alone is the Savior of your life. Trust him with it. He actually cares more about you than you do yourself. Amen? Don't be partners with those who lie like that. For once you were darkness, now you're light in the Lord. So you were in darkness. You didn't understand that. Now lights have turned on. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Find out what pleases the Lord. See, that's what you have to do. I don't know what you got to do, but God knows what you have to do. You've got to find out what pleases God. I've watched single moms on food stamps getting Section 8, go back to college, get a job, and get off the government's teeth being in this church so you can find out what pleases the Lord in your life and go do it because my God speaks to his sheep and he provides for them amen and our church is generous to help people in times of need but we believe in hands hands out hands up instead of just hand out we'll give you bus fare we'll take you shopping to get clothes for a job interview we'll put groceries there for you but not cash in hand are you listening because we want to give you the opportunity to be redemptive, lift out of that situation, lift it out, amen? Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have I done a good job of exposing fruitless deeds of darkness when it comes to money, communism, socialism, etc., greed? I'm doing my best. I wish I had more time. I could name out some more, but I did what I could today. How many think the exposing is good? Some of you all get nervous, and you're like, poor Oprah Winfrey, poor socialist countries. If I don't use names, you don't understand. I'm telling you, I've done this for a long time. I was saying this to my wife the other day. I'm like, why do I just talk about Oprah so much? And she's like, I know why, because you got to tell people what a secular worldview looks like because the secular worldview means absolutely nothing to them until you put a smiling face on it and then show them what it looks like. Because I say, look, don't think like a secular person. 
Who did you just think of? Nobody. You're like, I don't even know what a secular thing is. What is secular? I don't know. Don't think like Oprah. How many just got that? Boom. Don't think like Steve Harvey. How many got that? Don't think like Dr. Phil. Don't think like Donald Trump. Don't think like Hillary Clinton. You all got that. Amen? Jesus did that. Jesus called Herod a fox, by the way. He said, go tell that fox I'm going to keep on preaching. Praise God. But everything is exposed by light, becomes visible. Anything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, wake up, sleep, arise from the dead. Christ will shine on you. Be very careful then how you live. How should you live? Very careful. Not as wise, but as unwise. Excuse me, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? The days are evil. Make sure you're using your job for the glory of God. Therefore, do not be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. We can be foolish with money. We can be foolish with our time and our talents. Understand the will of the Lord. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for how many things? For everything. For our God, our Father, gives us every good and perfect gift. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you see right there how thanking God for everything ties into your heart of not stealing but sharing? It's because you're thankful for what you have. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, let's get to the message. Let's get to the message. A little bit longer today, but let's get to it. Here are the three takeaways from our passage as we look at not stealing, working hard, and sharing. Is the Bible called stealing a sin? Working hard is a divine virtue that we've been given as mankind. Work, though it's a four-letter word, is not a curse. It's a blessing. And what we work is not only just to go to us, it's to go through us, what we work for. Now, when we look at stealing from God, we can steal from God and people. I want you to see how we can steal from God. Malachi chapter 3, 8 and onward says, will a, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? That's a good question, right? How can we rob God? He says in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. I just wonder, let's just be honest. Let's just look around our world today and just wonder, do you think that we've gotten out of hand with spending because we've neglected this command of giving it to God? I think we have. Because think about this. Every time you and I give our tithes and offerings first to God, we give it back in that sense. We, we're giving to him. Doesn't that just kind of realign your whole way of looking at money? The way I say it, it breaks the chains of greed off your life. It's like, I'm not greedy now. I just gave up a lot of money to Jesus in the church. Boom. And by the way, some people want to just send the money directly to Jesus because they don't trust anybody in the church. Uh, but guess what? Jesus don't have a PayPal account, and Jesus told you to trust the church, so that's not an excuse either, okay? But I'm with you on that. Sometimes I'm like, all oh, these guys are crazy. Jesus, can I just like FedEx this to you? I just want it to go to you. But guess what? The lights are already paid for in heaven, amen? There's no need in heaven. There's need down here, and you trust the church to do it, so find a good one. Like I said, you don't like McDonald's, go to Five Guys. Now, the stupid thing would be to starve, you know? I don't like McDonald's, so I'm going to starve. Okay. I don't like that church, so I'm going to come under a curse. Okay. Find a good one. But the Bible's teaching us here that he doesn't have to give us blessings, but he does. And that's where I challenge you to test the Lord in this, because he tells you, test me in this. Test the Lord in that. We can steal from God in our tithes and our offerings, but we can also steal in our time and our talents. How often do we waste our time that could be to, to the things of God? And I don't just mean praying, reading your Bible, but I'm talking about fruitful things with your family and children and job where God says, I want you to do this, but you do wasteful things. 
or the talent that he gave you. You're wasting it maybe just on the accolades of man and these things. You know, it's great if you get the accolades of man. That's awesome. But do it for more than that. Do it as unto the Lord. How do we steal from people? We steal from people on our jobs when we steal their time, their products, and materials. Your time does not belong to you on the job. Honor your bosses. Honor your employers. Those products you cannot take. I don't care if you work for Walmart and you're like, they're not going to miss this pencil. It doesn't matter if they're going to miss it. It's not yours. Don't take it. We steal from our friends when we borrow things and don't give them back. Hey, any ladies got any shoes up in their closet now they got to give back? How about dudes? You got any video games? You got any hats? Any gear you got to give back? Anybody borrow a shovel or something? Give it back. If you borrow and don't give back, you're stealing. We steal from the government when we're not honest on our taxes. We're not putting there the tips that we make. We're not showing the other sources of income. We try to make ourselves look like we're making less so we can get more back. We lie by taking people's Social Security numbers. We lie by putting ourselves in a different position. Don't do that. Don't steal from the government. Even Jesus said about the taxes, he looked, said, look at the coin. The face of Caesar was there, and he says, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. Amen? And if you're here today and you're breaking into stores, you're probably planning a bank robbery, robbery please don't do that. Amen? Because that's obviously stealing from the community. How should we work? So we're not going to steal from God. We're not going to steal from people. How should we work? The Bible says we should work as unto the Lord. So all that complaining stops now. You don't like your job. Nobody's forcing you to do it. Stop complaining. Work it or find another job. Amen? People have worked for a lot less under much worse conditions with better attitudes than many of you here today. We break that curse over the millennial generation. We have a lot of millennials here, but we will not fall under that stereotype in Jesus' name. We will come early. We will stay late. We will do it as unto the Lord himself. The Bible commands us to do it. We will show the world we are different. Amen? We will do something that is useful. We will not complain when the markets change. I will not complain if people come in and out of my church. I must do church better. Do not just go home, make a couple vases or some candles and say, Jesus, bless it, and expect it to be, be sold, be, be bought by people. You must have what the community needs. You must do it usefully. You are not owed anything. Work for what you want in this life, and if what you're trying at now does not succeed, try, try again. Oh, I wish I had a better amen. Try, try again. You've heard the story about 7-Up. 1-Up didn't work. You tried another recipe. 2-Up, it didn't work. Another, it's a funny joke, but you know. 7-Up, his seventh recipe, it worked. I did learn that joke as I was touring the Coca-Cola plant in Atlanta, as they said it as a funny joke, um, just about soft drinks in general. But the story of Coke was one of failure. Somebody bought the failed idea. He had just a little cart that he would bring around. It was the person that bought the failed idea, quote-unquote, of Coke that turned it into the business that it is. Failed ideas can turn into successes if you don't give up. Work hard and go the extra mile. Jesus said if they force you to go one, go with them too. Oftentimes I hear people in this church complain about the bosses asking them to stay early, uh, come early, stay late, do more projects. My friend, could that be the bosses checking you out for a leadership position? Once again, you got to know when to guard your family, put down your foot. I understand that. But there are too many people here wanting the handouts. This world is willing to work hard for what they want. They're going in over the weekend. They're putting in their time. They're doing their research. If you want to compete with them, you've got to beat them. Are you listening? You've got to beat them. God wants you to win. 
Work hard and win. Stop complaining. Stop coming late. Go the extra mile or go move to Key West and wear flip-flops, okay? Are you listening to me? I mean that. I mean that because I look at some people here like, you don't know what it means to grind. Your pastor grinds. By the time I was 40 years old, I already wrote nine books. Grind. Work. Stop complaining. Go the extra mile. You show them what a Christian work ethic looks like. Amen. And if it costs you too much, get out the rat race then. Like I said, go do something else. If you don't want to compete with them, then go do something else. And I don't mean this in a bad way. Go flip hamburgers. They'll tell you what to do from 9 to 5. But those of you who are in these high stress level jobs, don't complain. Ask God for strength and you be the Daniel on that job. You be the one that gets the promotion. You be the one that calls the shots. Amen. Work for success. 1 Samuel 18, 14, and everything he did, talking about David and talking about Saul as well, it was successful because the Lord was with them. These kings were successful, and when they failed, they either got rebuked or they changed on their own because God was with them. Why? Because we want more to share. I want more to share. I want more to give. How many want to be the hardworking person that gets the promotion because you have more to give? God, may your kingdom come through me. I don't care where you're working at. Be the best at it. Now, here's how you can share with others. Share with them Christianity, obviously, and discipleship. Share with them your time and resources. Let me just say this here, because I want all my young adults to look up at me. Oftentimes, you do not understand the people you have mentoring you here. We are one of the only churches I know of in this city. If you find another church that does what we do, I will give a $10 donation to them up to the first 1000 So you bring, me, uh, you bring me 100 churches, I'll give them $10 up to $1,000. Here's my, here's my deal. Find me churches right now that offer you one-on-one mentorship like Metro Praise does. If you know them, praise God. I don't mean that in a skeptical way. I'll give them a $10 offering. I'll do that for the first 100 I'll give $1,000 right now because I'll tell you what, it's so hard to find them. And the people that do our one-on-one mentorship have careers and jobs and bills. And I notice a lot of our young adults want to sit on their teeth and waste their time and be suckled. Listen to me. Just because your mommy and daddy didn't teach you how to get up and work hard and spank your fanny, don't get upset when these leaders do because they're teaching you real life God's way. My dad was the most godliest man I knew, and he knew how to look me in the face and say, that's a terrible job, son. You don't do that. Go back and do it again. That was a Christian dad. And oftentimes, we have these young adults come up and say, I just quit my job. And the, and the leader will say to them, did you give a two weeks notice? And they'll say no. And they'll say, that was terrible. You write a letter of apology to that boss. And they'll say, I mean, who are you to do that? No, we are Christians. We stand head and shoulders above this world. Amen. We are people of integrity. We live by morals and ethics, and we show them respect and honor. The same ones who go out on the streets and wear our crosses and tell the world they're going to hell in a handbasket ought to be the same ones to say yes, sir, and no, sir, on their job, come early, stay late, and be trustworthy. This is the kind of lifestyle we live, a quiet and a humble life. Let them say of us, they're the trustworthy one. They're the hardworking one. Amen, young adults.
I love you as a father in the Lord today. Amen? Just as a father in the Lord that I see as children raising up in here, I want to guard you from this because I know what the men and women of our church have to do to have that house and then to make an hour of their time to be with you. And then they come to me, not complaining, but in prayer, they say, you would think this 18-year-old who knows nothing about life would sit and listen to me, talk to him for 10 minutes, but they kept running their mouth, getting offended when I try to teach them something. And it's like, you know why? They come from a fatherless generation, from a backslide in culture and they don't know what true fathering is like. And if you grew up even with a non-Christian father that taught you those ethics, write him today a letter, tell him thank you, call him or her up a mother and say thank you for teaching me the ways of God because that was God in them. Because God taught us from the beginning to work like that. I don't care what culture they came from. If that's how you were taught, that was from God teaching them that. Amen? I feel better now. Because <laughs> I want to work hard. I want to win, amen? Well, I want you to win too. Share God's wisdom in giving a hand up. See, because when you make it, you got something to give now, don't you? You see, if I was still, you know, struggling, how could I help these young people? Or how could I help my family? But now I've given my daughter something to look up to. My, my wife is going back getting her master's degree. What do you think that's going to be like for these kids as they get older and they remember this? My mom was a pastor's wife. She homeschooled all five of us, even as she was pregnant with the sixth. And just a pimp slapped the devil in the faith face. She went back and got her master's degree and got straight A's. Come on. What do you think that sets up for them as a goal in life? Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Give a hand up to somebody. Amen. Oh, let's just end in prayer. Lord, we thank you for today. Oh, we're clapping for you, Jesus. Altar Workers Band, would you come? God, there's so many success stories in here. But, Lord, there needs to be many more, many, many, many more. Our culture needs young adults and families living for you, God. I know if you're here and you're a little bit older than that, that's okay. We're praying for you, but you can look around. You see we got a lot of young adults here. Oh, God, we just need you in our lives to teach us how not to steal, how to work hard and produce value with our work and to share God because we care every head bowed and eyes closed are, are you stealing today from God or people did anything strike a nerve did anything kind of hit you between the eyes today would you just repent right now and say Lord forgive me if you're here today you're not born again just start off by saying Lord forgive me of all my sins including stealing and ask Jesus into your heart all you have to do is confess him as the Lord of your life and he will transform you right now. Those of us who are Christians, though, would you search your heart? Are you stealing from God or people? God didn't give you this good green earth and the health that you have and the life that you have to steal. He gave it to you to use. And whatever's not yours, you give back right now if you have it. You give it back and you start working hard. Now, Lord, I pray for us to work hard and do things that are useful. Would you just stand up with me, please, and surrender your hands to God like this and say, Lord, make my hands useful. Make my hands useful. I don't want anybody going to work tomorrow as a drag. Come on, pray right now, God. Make me useful on my job. Those who are looking for jobs, just raise your hands up and say, Lord, here are my hands. Give me an assignment, Lord. Put work for me to do, God, in these hands, and I'll be faithful to do it. 
Lord, I pray for every hand that's raised right now. You bless them on their jobs, God. You said that you would, and I just proclaim it over them right now. You would bless those who work in construction with their hands. Bless those who are teaching with their hands, oh God. Bless those, God, who are in sales, God. Bless those who are in social services. Bless those today who are in the police or the military. Bless those in the medical field, God. Bless those in the government, Lord, those working with the law, God. Bless those here, God, who work at home with their children, O oh Lord. Bless these hands, O oh God. Let them be useful. Let them be successful. Now, you don't have to look at me, but if you need the illustration, you can. But I'm just going to tell you what I want you to do with those hands. Just say, Lord, give it to me that it may go through me. Come on, just do it a few times. Do, do a Holy Ghost exercise. God, give me prosperity that it may go through me. Oh, God, I ask that you give me, God, success on my job, that it may go through me, that I may share more, God. Oh, God, I receive to give today, God. I receive books, God, that I can give them away, Lord. I receive success as a pastor with wisdom to pour out to the people, God. Come on, everybody, just say it, man, a few more times. Oh, God, give it to me to go through me. Give it to me to go through me. Work is not a curse. It's a blessing. Oh, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Hallelujah. I love seeing those with special needs working there at Jewel. It's a blessing to serve, isn't it? May it remind us today. It's a blessing to be useful in our culture, to produce value. Hallelujah. And to share it with others. Because giving better. Giving is better than receiving. I give it all away. Would you just sing it out today as Rachel sing it? Because giving is better than receiving. It's better than receiving. Whoa, I give it all. Yes, giving is better than receiving. Jesus. We're going to sing it as an anthem today. Jesus said to the rich man, you want to prove you love me, give it all away. You see, you got to show God you're willing to lay it all down today. You don't need to hold on to it anyways, right? It's not yours. He gives, he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A few more times, sing it out with her. Giving is better than receiving. Receiving, I give it all away. One more time, giving is better than receiving. To Jesus, I surrender. To Jesus, I surrender. I surrender. It's an old hymn. We just modernize it. Just sing it out in your own words. All to Jesus. Oh, I surrender all. Is that anybody's heart today? One more time. I trust him today. I trust him with my life, my family. 
Lord, today as we prepare to leave, may we leave surrendering all to you. And then you tell us, Lord, what to keep. I give it all to you. You tell us what to keep. We know you're a good God, so you'll meet our needs according to the riches that are in Christ Jesus. And for that, we say amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand clap of praise in the house of God? Amen.